Welcome to the Church for All Nations podcast, streaming live from Tacoma, Washington. We're so excited you joined us today. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. Hey, well, thanks for joining us today on this Sunday. My name is Pastor J.F. Wilkerson. I'm so honored uh, to co-pastor Church for All Nations right here in our city, Tacoma, Washington. I know that people are watching from all over, and uh, we thank you for, for taking part of your weekend uh, to tune in, to, to worship with us on this virtual platform. I know that here in the state of Washington, we just entered into the phase two of reopening, and I want you to know our elders and leaders are, are meeting and talking about what does it look like for our church to reopen our doors. We're going we're gonna to be talking about that as the days go on, but man, we're excited. And in the midst of this pandemic, we keep saying it, God is doing so many things, and it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I know uh, that He will be lifted up and glorified through all of this. So, so we are encouraged. We are blessed. You know, uh, when I was growing up, um, there was this kids' TV show uh, that I loved so much. And the song uh, ended with this little line, could you be mine? You want to sing it with me? Would you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? Hi, neighbor. Right? Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. I'm telling you. I, man, I was obsessed with that show. My mom would sit me down in, in, in front of PBS, and man, I was good to go. I loved Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, the principles in that show. And in 1969, May the 9th, uh, Fred Rogers woke up and he said, enough is enough. You see, because Mr. Rogers began to understand and see the injustice that was taking place to his brothers and sisters of color in his neighborhood. He saw how they were being persecuted, specifically the black folks in his neighborhood, friends of his. He watched as they were rejected from being able to use the community neighborhood pool just simply because of the color of their skin. And so on May 9th, 1969, Fred Rogers, a minister of the gospel, said, we're not having it anymore. And so what did he do? Well, he called his friend, Officer Clemens. And he said, Officer Clemens, come over to the, my house today. I want to spend some time with you. And so sure enough, Officer Clemens came and he took him in the backyard. And Mr. Rogers had a, a little kiddie pool set up. And he said, take your shoes off. It's, it's a warm spring day. Let's share my pool together. In fact, I think I have a picture of it that'll come up on your screen. You see, because of this one peaceful, powerful protest, this symbol right here began a chain reaction of hearts being shifted. We watched as walls of injustice and Racism began to fall because of one act. And I know that this was during the civil rights movement and so many acts, right? 
But as I was watching all week long, protests, not just throughout American cities, but all over the world, my heart was broken because I was reminded that no matter what color our skin color is, whatever our background is, the person standing right in front of me is always my neighbor. And I'm reminded that Jesus came (laughs) for all of us today. And today, just for a couple of minutes here, I want to look to scripture. I want to help answer the question. And the question is, what does the Bible have to say about our neighbors, my neighbors? And in Matthew 22, Matthew 22, uh, an interpreter of the law comes to Jesus and he asks him a question regarding the law, the commands. And you see, uh, in that Jewish ancient custom and culture, the Jews would divide their laws based on great to small. But they never landed the plane. There was always a debate as to which one was the greatest, which one was the most important. And so in Matthew 22, this interpreter of the law comes to Jesus to ask him this question about the law. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew 22, starting in verse 36. If you don't, it'll be on the screens right there. This is what the word says. It says, Teacher, this is the interpreter asking Jesus, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now look at verse 40. This is so important. He goes on to say that all the law, meaning all the commandments of Moses, the 10 commandments, the 700 plus other commandments that we, that we, uh, that we read about, he said, all the law and the prophets. So as we read in the, in the Old Testament, the words that came from God through the prophets, everything they had to say, it was a lot. So all the law and everything that the prophets had said, all of those laws hang on these two commandments, to love God and love people. And you know, here in the Northwest, specifically Tacoma, I'm, I'm a Tacoma boy, uh, we, we've, got, we've got a few, uh, I don't know, international celebrities, if you will. Ahmad Rashad, come on, Mount Tahoma High School, where are you at? There's another dude that I think is Pretty cool. And that's Dale Chihuly. Any, any Chihuly Glass fans out there? Maybe you've seen him in hotels or I know just all over the world, casinos. These beautiful pieces of art, blown, blown glass. And I was looking through some of his pictures this week and I came across a picture of one of his magnificent chandeliers. I think I have a picture of that one of his incredible chandeliers, there it is right there. Isn't that gorgeous? Just think about the hours it took for that to be produced. And while I was staring at it, 
I noticed that at the very top of this beautiful chandelier, there were two cables, if you will. Two cables that were helping suspend that chandelier, meaning that without those cables connected to that chandelier, that piece of art is pretty much worthless. Because if those two cables aren't holding up that beautiful piece of art, what happens? That whole thing comes crashing down. All the time, all the dedication, all the work, all the passion, gone. It doesn't even matter if those two cables cannot hold up that chandelier. In the same way, Jesus says, all the law, everything that you've ever learned about what you're supposed to do, every prophet that you revere, everything that they said, none of it really matters unless we get loving God and loving people right. The Ten Commandments, thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not ha uh, commit adultery, thou, thou shalt not bear false witness, on and on and on. If we can't figure out how to love God and love people, you can forget all that stuff. It's a powerful thought. So he says, love God, love people, love your neighbor as yourself. Not only was this question of the greatest command constantly debated in Jesus's time, if you turn to Luke 10, an expert of the law actually tries to trap Jesus in his own words concerning this. Look at Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 25. Scripture says, on one occasion, an expert of the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? I love how Jesus most of the time would respond like any good rabbi answering a question with a question. So he says, what is written in the law? How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. Live not just in eternity, but living the way Jesus is calling us to hear and write now. Look at verse 29. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked, who's my neighbor? The reason you're asking a question, it matters, my friend. And it will always determine whether you actually receive the answer. The questions are so important. But how will you receive the answer that's given to you? And in this response to try to trap him, and, and really, he was trying to justify his own mindset in asking the question this way, Jesus doesn't, he, he doesn't just give him an answer. In fact, he requires the man to listen to an account and then recognize the answer for himself. Jesus actually tells a very important story to drive his point home to the audience. And this story, many of you watching and listening right now would remember this story of the Good Samaritan. This cocky, snarky uh, uh, teacher 
comes to Jesus and he's trying to trap him in his words. And he says, well, who is my neighbor? Right? And I'm fascinated how Jesus answers this question. Because if it was me, I would just say, well, everybody is. Right? Yeah, everyone's right. But in this instance here, Jesus doesn't respond that way. He begins to tell a story of a Samaritan. And many of you know that in that culture, in that custom, Samaritans were outcasts. They were second class. They were the minority of that region. They were looked down upon. And the story goes, a man had left Jerusalem and he was heading south to the great city of Jericho. And on his way, Jesus tells this story, and I'm paraphrasing it, that these robbers, they, they attack this man and they beat him up and they, they steal everything that he had, literally strip him down, his clothes, and they beat him bloodied and left him in the middle of the street to die. So here's this man, he's laying in the street, bleeding out. And Jesus goes on to say that a priest is coming down the road, a pastor. <laughs> he's coming down the road and, and he sees this dying, bleeding man. And Jesus says that not only does he do nothing, he crosses over to the other sidewalk to remove himself of the obligation of helping this dying man. Jesus goes on to say, not too long after that, a Levite. A Levite was uh, one of the Pharisees, a, a religious leader. This Levite is walking down the same road, sees this bleeding, dying man laying in the middle of the street. Can you, can you just imagine what that looks like? I, I don't know if you've ever seen someone that's been injured, maybe in a car accident, sitting on the side of the road. It's, it's a very traumatic, traumatic experience. If, you, if you've ever seen it, I know we have all kinds of first responders and they could tell you stories, but it's a, it must have been just a, horrific. And this Levite rolls up on the scene and he, and he sees this dying man. And Jesus says that he too crosses over on the sidewalk to remove himself of any type of obligation for various reasons that I'll get to in a second. And then Jesus introduces this third man, this minority, this outcast, this person who was deemed unclean in the culture. And this Samaritan, Jesus, Jesus says that the Samaritan rushes to this dying, bleeding man and he, and he helps him. And he cleans his wounds off. He bandages his wounds and he, and, he, and, he, and he cleans them up the very best that he can and he, he takes them to an inn and he tells the innkeeper, uh, uh, I'll pay you whatever. Uh, just, just, just let him stay here. Help him out. And, I, and when I come back, I'll, I'll, I'll pay you whatever else I owe you. And, 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 and he describes this interaction that this, this good Samaritan has with this man. He helps him in the healing process. And then Jesus says, out of those three, who would you consider the neighbor? And they all respond, the Samaritan. It's, it's, it's a fascinating story, and I want to unpack it just a little bit here for the next couple of minutes because there's so much we can learn from this parable. And so with that, I want to look at three thoughts that we can take away from this story in reference to what Jesus was teaching about the lives we're called to live. 
There's a life that he's calling us as his followers. He's saying, this is what I want for you. Who is my neighbor? How do we respond to our neighbors? Here's the first thought that I have for you. Write this down, and that is, keep your eyes, keep your eyes open to opportunities. I'll say it one more time. Write it down. Keep your eyes open to opportunities. The idea here is to make sure you are living your life in a way that allows Jesus to use you. Be, be open to every opportunity. He wants to use you, my friend. I, I, I think of it like this. There, there, there's people, uh, whether you realize it or not, that he is sending you that need the hope of Christ. But for some of us, some of us do life more like this, right? We're, now, listen, uh, I'm encouraging social distancing until our government says that we don't have to do it anymore, okay? I'm, when I go like this, I'm not talking about social distancing. There, there's, there, there's, there's a lot of us, and I've, I've, all, I've, I've actually fallen victim of it, of it, where we don't put up a physical barricade, we put up a spiritual one. There's people that Jesus has been trying to send your way, but for whatever reason, maybe on purpose or on accident, we've put up this spiritual barricade, this hula hoop, if you will. A lot of the times it's, it's just on accident. So sometimes we don't even realize that we've put up a spiritual wall, a barricade around people that are hurting, that need love, that need to be served, that need Jesus. We've just put it up. And sometimes it's just simply because we're so locked into what we're doing. For, okay, so for example, myself as a pastor, man, if I'm not careful, I can get so hung up on what I think I'm supposed to be doing uh, my own ministry, my own agenda, and I can put one of these up and all of a sudden, there's someone laying in the street who's bleeding out spiritually. They're dying. And I miss it. Some of you, some of you have friends, loved ones who are spiritually dying. They're bleeding in the street. They're hurting on the inside. And just simply because we don't see it or we're not intentionally trying to pursue the Holy Spirit and, getting, and being downloaded with information concerning this, we put this puppy up and we go about on our way. We, we, we cross over. <laughs> we, we step over those that are hurting. And I'm, I'm not pointing fingers. I'm telling you, this has, been, this has been something that I've had to repent of. I've had to ask the Lord to help me in this area. This, this past Wednesday night, man, we had a night. It was an amazing time here at Church for All Nations. We had a, a live stream, round table. And the conversation was on the hottest subject in the world right now. This conversation of race and racism. And, we, and it was a beautiful two-hour you know, conversation with people of color in our church, leaders who shared their experiences with us. And you know what was fascinating? I walked away with that, with the theme, like, so the theme for me that night and going forward, because man, the Lord's been convicting me personally in this area. The theme was, pastor, just Listen to us. Hear us out. We experience 
things. We've experienced things throughout, throughout our life. We experience things every single day that you never will. Just hear us out. Show empathy. We, we, we want you to know. And so, man, it, it, it's, been a, it's been a Holy Spirit uh, just convicting me and speaking to me over the course of the last two weeks. Last two weeks, I've spent so much time talking to my brothers and sisters of color and hearing their colors, with uh, hearing their cries and, and their hearts on this issue with tears in their eyes and just listening and learning and, and wanting to be a part of the solution. But for so long, not out of malice, inadvertently, because I was so locked up in what I was doing, what I thought was important, on this issue, there was many times, I just crossed over to the other side, not out of malice, out of just sheer ignorance. And I missed opportunities to help my brother, my sister of color, who were literally, lo loved, they love Jesus, but they're hurting on the inside. And I missed opportunities to love them just, just because I didn't know. Some of my very closest, bro my, some of my best friends are people of color. And I just, I didn't know. And so for me, I say that in encouragement, it's time for us to wake up. And that's what this country and the world's doing. And that's what the church is doing. That's what we're called to do. I love it. And so I encourage you today, take every opportunity to be God's hands and feet in a hurting world. Here's a second thought that I have, and that is keep people the point. Keep people the point. My grandfather was my hero. And he always had these little sayings. And one of them was, keep the main thing, <laughs> the main thing. And when Jesus answered the question that I read earlier about the greatest commands, his answer was clear. Love God and love people. In fact, you can go to our, our website right now. That is the banner of Church for All Nations website right there. Love God, love people. We're always to keep loving God and loving people. The main things, this is the point. And sometimes we end up focusing more on the process than the people. Sometimes we, we get so hung up on the process and we miss the relationships. We miss the people who we're supposed to be in, engaged with and loving. Uh, you know, growing up here in the Northwest, you know, I spent a lot of time in the mountains. I love snow skiing. I still do. I'm getting kind of old. I went, we went snow skiing uh, a couple of months ago, and I just kind of decided, I don't, I don't think I'm going to keep doing this that much, man. I'm just, I'm not in the same, you know what I'm talking about? But, uh, but one of the things we love doing up here in the mountains is sledding. And I, I'll never forget a couple of years ago, uh, I was so excited because I felt like my daughter Israel, I, can't, I really can't remember what age she was, but she was, she was still tiny, I don't know, little. I was so excited because I was going to take her sledding. And I knew that she was going to fall in love with it the way I do. So, so we went up to Mount Rainier and I went to Walmart and, and got an $11 plastic thing, you know, called a sled that was just kind of janky, you know. But I got it. But I, and I was just like, in my, I'm driving up there. I wasn't talking to her or, 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 or I, you know, it was kind of small talk with Ashley. But I mean, I was focused on teaching her the principles of sledding, man. Because I knew if I, if I showed her how to do it and she got it, uh, man, she would, she, would, she would be a pro at it. So I remember I got her, got her out of the car and, you know, she's just a little one. I'm like, all right, come on, come on. And I remember we're at Mount Rainier and 
went up there and I'm, I'm kind of just dragging her along. I don't even think she's really into it. The big uh, onesie, you know, snowsuit walking up. Walk, can't even see her face, just little eyes. Just, mama's got all this stuff on her. And, I, and she's kind of coming up the hill, you know. And I'm like, I'm like, come on, Is this is going to be great. And I, and I remember we sat down in this bright red sled. And I'm, I'm 6'3", okay. So I put her in between my legs and she's facing this way. And man, we, we didn't start on the little hill. Like, we went right to the advanced level. I mean, we went right to the top. And I, I put her down there like that. And I was doing, I was doing the, uh, you know, the um, Christmas vacation vibe. You know what I'm talking about? And I was just like, ready, one. You know, I'm, I'm like, I'm gonna, we're going to fly. She's going to love this. And I'm telling you, friends, we took off down that hill. And I, I don't remember the last time being that afraid. <laughs> you know what I mean? We were flying. And this little girl's between my legs. And, and we're, you, know, we're, you know, it's not groomed up there. So we're hitting like, you know, patches of ice. We do this jump over this thing. And I get to a place where I'm like, we, we got to stop. Like, this isn't going to end, you know? So I literally just threw my heels down. Both of them just, boom, just threw them like right into the snow. And what do you think happened? Yes, our sound team's doing this right there. Yeah, like literally we just, and like rolled. And this little girl just went flying. And man, I'll, I'll, to the day I die, I'll never forget her reaction. She li- it was like a scene out of a movie. She was like face plant in this, powder of snow and she came out of that snow I mean covered covered and she just was like you know that that silent cry where it's just like and I was like I was like we're gonna shut down the mountain with this with this sound that's about to come out and she was just I mean and no daddy no dad she's hitting me you know like no daddy and I was like I was like man I just I I think I just scarred her for life we're never going sledding again man and I thank God that I, we t- took her in the lodge and got her some hot cocoa and got her dried up and I coached her through it. And I said, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. What, 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 what was going on there? I was so focused on the process of teaching my kid how to sled that I missed the whole point. The whole point was to spend time with my baby girl, to, to, to let her fall in love with the things I love so much, but I missed that moment and it almost ruined her. I, I thank God that she's now a master sledder, but I was worried there for a little bit there. Keep people the point. Keep people the point. This is exactly what the Levite got caught up in. You see, Levites were Pharisees and Pharisees, Pharisees weren't necessarily bad people. They were just people that got too focused on the wrong thing. Look at Luke 10 verse 32. It says, so too a Levite when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. You see, Levites had specific commands. They were commanded not to touch anyone or anything dying. Because if they did that, that would make them unclean. But you see, this Levite, this Levite, he forgot the greatest command. And the greatest command was and is and always will be to love God first and to love people. Being spiritually unclean, all of the the sacraments, all of that stuff that that Levite had been taught was important in their culture. But man, he missed it in that moment. He, He missed the opportunity to love God 
and show his love for God by loving the dying man right in front of him. He forgot Jesus said in Matthew 22, verse 40, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. So keep your eyes open to opportunities. Keep people the point. And as the band comes back, this is my final point that I want to share on this Sunday on how to get better showing the love of Jesus to our neighbors. It's very clear. As followers of Jesus, everyone that we come in contact with is our neighbor. He's called us to live intentionally on purpose, being aware of those that not only have it, they seem to have it all together, but are, 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 are hurting. And we're called to use discernment and call on the Holy Spirit to make known those are the people that we encounter, that we know, to reach out and love. And here's the thought that I have as I close with this thought, and that is keep giving God's grace you got to keep giving God's grace. Go back to Luke 10, verse 33. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he put the man on his own donkey. He brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and Gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law. The one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. In that moment, that expert of the law, something broke in his heart. Something changed. It's like the scales fell off. In that moment, he had, a, he had an epiphany. He had a revelation from God. In that moment, he realized what it really looked like. What it really looked like to pursue, to be a neighbor who pursues those who are broken, who are hurting, that are dying. I was uh, thinking, you know, you know on Facebook how they have those uh, memories that come up? Sometimes they're like from 14 years ago or whatever. You just, you know, you pull up Facebook and it's like nine years ago and there's just a picture of you doing something. And, uh, uh, I don't know, a week or so ago, one came up from like 12 years ago. And, and the, picture, <laughs> the picture was of me and my wife, Ashley, and we were, we were in Beverly Hills, okay, Los Angeles, sitting at this, you know, baby little coffee shop. And we had, we had uh, cappuccinos in a special little cup. And we were sitting there, and, you know, I had, I had, like, my legs crossed, like, Ray-Ban glasses, you know. Ashy's like, you know, we're just, like, so cool, right? Before children. Is anybody, is anybody out there? And I can remember, 
sitting at places like that with no kids. And I can remember when parents would bring their kids in and they would start their eating routine and I would just scoff inside. Oh, how do they think they are? You know what I mean? It's like, how could this, you know, and that would be, this is, this is not for kids. You know what I mean? Like, like just like, how did, get a hold of your, you know what I mean? Like that kind of like those, I never said anything wacky like that, but like inside, just like, oh, oh, who do they, they should, you know, all that kind of stuff. But then I had kids and I began to experience what it was like to not go to some swanky place. I like, I just, I remember going to like, you know, like, like Applebee's, man, like Chili's, bro. Like I, we, we would, I mean, when my kids were real little, they're, they're older now and we can, we can kind of go to some, by the way, I guess the, the restaurants are starting to reopen. Hallelujah. Uh, but I, I can remember, you know, just, just going to like basic places, man. I'm talking like Chick-fil-A. I mean, yeah, we're good. But, but, but you always had to have one of these. Now, Kevin, you're, you got a bunch of kids. You know what I'm talking about. This is... This thing right here is one of my kids, Fulton, his, his, his backpack. And you cannot, if, you, if you've got like a two-year-old and like a four or five-year-old, like you have to have this when you go into the restaurant. And so I just wanted to uh, show you some of the things that, you know, some of you, some of you are, are going to have kids. And if you think you're going to go to a restaurant without one of these uh, little, you know, carrot knapsacks, you're doomed. Forget it. But, you know, there's all kinds of stuff. You know, of course, you need, if, you, if it's a boy, you need like a Spider-Man, dude, right? You need that guy and, and, you know, might as well have, you know, Batman too. You got to have that right there. You got to set him up this way because there's a certain way you do it. But then, of course, of course, you know, when you got a two-year-old, I'm telling you, uh, the utensils and the stuff that they provide, forget it. All of that's worthless, all right? So you got to have like your own plates you got to have all your own stuff. If you, if you forget this, and if you got, like, Kevin, you got, like, nine kids. You need, like, multiple bags. You know what I mean? So it's like you got this thing, and, oh, if you got to bring all this and, you know, all that stuff right there. And, and this, this, is, this, is, this, is the, uh, this is the secret right here. If I used to just, how could parents have one of those? And then I bought one. Uh, it's just a device that plays VeggieTales 24 hours a day. So you got to have that thing set up, you know, right there. And when you got a couple other kids, I'm telling you, I mean, there's all kinds. Oh, yeah, of course, one of these deals, all kinds of little packets like that. And uh, there's just more toys and stuff in here. But, man, you got you to set the table uh, for, for your kids. If not, it's just going to be a mess. And, man, I can remember, man, they, they get in there and nothing stays right. It's just, ah, ah. Ah, right. It's just like people, you know, all, and you're just like, okay, you're just like, and you just eat as fast as you can. And for like literally an hour and a half, it's just this. And people look and stuff goes flying and all over the place, man. And it's just a complete wreck. And that's just the way it goes. All right. I don't care how good of a parent you think you are. This is what restaurant time usually looks like. And I can remember, I, I would see stuff like this as a, you know, newly married with no kids who, who knew so much more about how to train kids not to act like this, right? That's all out the window, right? Because when I got my kids, there was a handful of years that looked like this. We just, there was a season we just stopped going to restaurants. Just, I'm not going to do that anymore. But you know what's crazy? The last time we were at a restaurant, of course, this was like three months ago, we were at some restaurant, and our kids are older now, and they, they behave, and 
it's pretty, it's pretty easy now. But man, I saw a family. <laughs> I saw a family who was under siege, if you will. Right? Stuff everywhere, hamburger flying across the deal. And you know what was interesting? Ashley and I watched this unfold. And not one ounce of who do they think they are. How dare them? I mean, there wasn't any of that attitude in our hearts whatsoever. In fact, it was quite the opposite. We smiled. We laughed. We said, man, we remember when we were there. We remember that. We were like, we were like pushing you know, grace, just like encouragement. I think Ashley even got up and just went over and gave the, the mom a high five, man. She was like, thank you. How, how are we able to make that tr- transition in our life? The way we are able to make that transition in our life and to pursue giving grace to others is because we've been there. We've been there. We felt that. We knew what that was like. We experienced it. And so now we look back and we go, I I understand. My friend, right now, there's people in your life who aren't at the level of spiritual maturity yet that you're at. There's people who who are still connected to old ways of thinking, old ideologies. There's seeds that were planted inside of them years and years ago. And I want you to know right now, they are still your neighbor. And we're still called to do what? To give grace. To show love. Why? Because we were once that. It's so important, my friend, as a follower of Jesus, I, I... I have to repent and pray this in my own life. I I have to, in moments of where the enemy gets that kind of attitude inside, how could, oh, why do they think like this? Why do they act that way? Why would they post something like, why would they post something that offensive online? That insensitive. I I have to to go, man, I was was once an unforgiven mess. My life looked like that one time, and I have to. I have to show grace. I want you to know this is so important. The world seeks revenge. The world cuts down. The world is insensitive. The world tears people down. Jesus calls us to a different level of living, a different type of living. He calls us to keep our eyes open to new opportunities that he's bringing us. He's calling us to keep people, keep people to point, make it about people, love God and love people. Nothing else matters if you, if you, can't, if you can't get those right. Don't get hung up on you know, all the different, you know, do this and do that in scripture. Focus on that and that stuff will begin to almost naturally play out in your life. You gotta keep it about God, keep, it, keep people to point and then keep giving God's grace in Jesus' name. Let me pray for you. Wherever you're at in your apartment, maybe you're sitting around a brunch table with your family. We're in some pretty uh, difficult days, not just in America, man, all over the world. I look at all the different news outlets, every major city in America, people protesting, people upset, huge segments of our population hurting in our own church, man. I wish you could just sit with my friends of color just in our own very diverse church for all nations 
Listen to their hearts. Crying, hurting, man. I'm telling you right now, Scripture is very clear that we are not supposed to confront the wounded. We are called to love the wounded. That, that is the testimony of that Samaritan who, because the story is so beautiful, was labeled good. Notice how Jesus didn't mention a good Samaritan. We did because the story is so powerful and it has the power to change people's lives. And so today, as neighbors, as followers of Jesus, let's speak up for those who can't speak up. Let's love our fellow man, no matter what they look like. Let's be a good neighbor. Let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you for every one of my friends right now. I am so honored and blessed to be a part of this incredible body of believers who go first, man, who go first, who take the lead, who aren't afraid to talk about difficult things to talk about. I thank you for people who has a heart to look more and more like Jesus. God, I just pray right now, Lord, as opportunities are coming our way to love people, to be a good neighbor, God, I pray that we would throw down the barricades, that, that picture of that spiritual hula hoop. Lord God, I pray that we would pursue those that are hurting, that are bleeding spiritually in the middle of the street, that we wouldn't avoid, that we wouldn't cross over because it doesn't affect us. It has nothing to do with me. I, I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to say something that might come across as wrong. No, no, no. We're just, we're just going to go right into it. We're going to love people right where they're at. So Lord, I pray you'd bless my friends, that for some of us watching right now, that Lord, that you would truly speak to their hearts, to my heart. Lord, I thank you for what you've been doing even in my own personal heart over the course of the last two weeks or so. Bless my friends in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So powerful. During this time of quarantine, we've um, made a conscious decision to uh, create questions that will help solidify what, what he wants to speak to you through his word, through the messages. And so we just want to encourage you to take these questions and if you're in a virtual small group or a watch party or um, maybe just with your friends via text, you may want to discuss these questions. Maybe it's just for you and the Holy Spirit to journal through and allow him to speak to you personally. But we're going to put those on the screens and you can uh, take a screenshot of them or a picture with your phone or our hosts will actually put them in the comments. Number one, Jesus said that all of the law, meaning everything he's calling us to, can be summed up in the two commands of loving God and loving others. Do you give just as much emphasis to loving others as you do to loving God? How can you be more conscious of making sure that you're continually focusing on doing both? Number two, what are opportunities that exist in your life right now that the Lord might have in your path to show your love for him and for others? How can you keep yourself accountable to the biblical principle of making people the point? How can you make sure that you're continually doing that? Number three, what are habits that you can put into place to help remember the grace that you have been given by God so that giving his grace to others becomes more automatic in your responses. 
What are some things that you can do to remember what God's brought you out of, how much he's forgiven you of, so that his love is more of your automatic response? Thanks again for joining us. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. For more content and to connect with us, go to cfan.church. 